Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the breakthrough success coach and your powerful presence mentor. Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most. I'm your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the exponential success coach. With me today, I have a gentleman with a variety of backgrounds. Uh, He's a licensed clinical social worker. He is a master mindset coach. He is a former firefighter out of New York. And uh, we share a lot in common, but but not the firefighter part. Although I did I did become an EMT at one point. Yeah. Let me welcome uh, Vin Infante. Uh, thank you for being here. He has brought his own one sharp sword. So Vin, welcome. Thank you, Wayne. I'm here to sharpen swords with you, and I'm very excited to do it. Very good. We are. We're going to cut through to what matters most. Uh, That's what we're doing here. So thank you. Uh, I I just, I found your background very interesting and I found what you wanted to bring to the audience exceptionally interesting. I think there are a lot of parallels in what we do. um, And it's different enough that I wanted to bring it. There are some people that have, that have approached me like, can I be on your show? We, we do such similar things that I've said, mm, it's, it's, I don't know how interesting that'd be. Right. <laughs> uh, you, you've got uh, an amazing path of mindset work, an amazing path of leadership, um, service. I mean, all of that. So, and you didn't start out there. Like, you, you know, part of your story is that you had, you had high levels of anxiety. So can you, let's do this, Vin. Would you talk a little bit about um, like what you're doing now? What, what allows you to be like so present and vibrant now? And then we'll wind back the clock and we'll talk about that anxiety. Like how did it start and how'd you get through it? Sure. Well, I'd love to love to dive in. So let's go. One yeah. thing I do want to just make clear right now for transparency sake. So no one calls me a liar or yells at me. You introduced me as an LCSW. I am still an LMSW. I just want to make that distinction just so that nobody calls me a liar. I'm not trying to be pretend to be anything I'm not. That's awesome. <laughs> I, uh, I make that distinction when people introduce me as a psychologist, right? So I have a doctorate in clinical psychology and in California, um, about three and a half decades ago, four decades ago, I chose not to go uh, and I had a practice and then I chose not to uh, continue that licensure. So mm. I'm officially not a psychologist, even though technically I'm a psychologist, right? I get based that. On, based on background. Um, but I make that distinction. Right. I'm, so I'm... so <laughs> licensed social worker whether it's a c or an m so uh for you it's the m uh lmsw right and um it is it's a technical thing and it's worth it's worth clarifying so there you go thank you of course (laughs) so talk about so so is that a current practice of yours like are you in practice are you seeing are you seeing clients are you doing uh like talk about what you're up to now now that we've got the 
the don't call me a liar legal stuff out of the way. Uh, <laughs> talk about what you're doing now. Uh, don't, <laughs> yeah. What makes your life so much fun besides the, you know, the, the sword? Um, what else? Like, what are you, what are you up to? And then we'll wind back the clock and we'll talk about, you know, what, what you've been up to and been through. Definitely. Love it. So I have definitely been forging my own path, much like you. I decided not to continue pursuing my therapist degree. I decided not to continue going for the LCSW, the LCSWR. I even decided not to keep my license current. So I haven't even done the CE credits because quite frankly, I, I don't believe I need them. And I'm not trying to say that out of arrogance or cockiness. So please keep listening. <laughs> and I did that because I started kind of forging my own path about now, I've been in mental health for 13 years. I, I like to just group it all in. I was a therapist and, and acting in a therapy role for about 10 of them. And in that time, I had been everywhere and anywhere. I had been in inpatient, outpatient, hospitals, clinics, homeless shelter, private practice, department of education, traveling home therapists, applied behavioral analysis. Private practice was where I settled up at about 28, and I really loved it there. And I was in this for so long and I was trying everything because nothing really felt good to me. I didn't really enjoy any of it as much as I thought I would, but I always knew I wanted to help people. And so when I, that was always actually my childhood dream to be a therapist. That's why I pursued it because my dad's a therapist. It was in my blood. I wanted to be just like my dad because my dad's awesome. But as a kid, every kid also wants to be really cool. So that's why I wanted to be a firefighter. So I had these two dreams that I said I was going to achieve. And at 28, I had the opportunity to do just that. But I also still loved what I was doing in, in private practice. But I also felt like there were so many buts, right? I also felt that I wasn't doing enough to help people, that there had to be something better. And I just didn't know what it was. So I said, you know, fun fact about the fire department in New York, you age out. So once you hit 29 years old, if you are not already on the list and you're not eligible to be called, you can no longer take the firefighting test and you will lose out on that opportunity forever. So I was 28 when I got the call. I was like, I can always go back to being a therapist, but this is a once in a lifetime. And it was my childhood dream, second childhood dream, I should say. So I leapt into that and I said, you know, but I've, I still want to keep helping people. And that, And I had an idea of life coaching. I was like, maybe I could transition into that. So I started looking into life coaching. I got a little a little certification just to do it by integrity sake and say like, yeah, I have the, the cert. And I started doing coaching while I was pursuing the fire department. And I also got really curious about, you know, because there was that thing in the back of my mind where it was just continuously saying, how do I help people really get transformation? And so I stumbled upon Tony Robbins. And as I'm listening to him, I'm like, oh, this guy's actually like a master therapist. He just he just doesn't give credit to the guys, but he's, <laughs> he's a master therapist. He understands the founding father's uh, information in depth, and he, and he conveys it in a way that people digest it and change from it. So I need to learn that. So I pursued my life coaching cert under Tony Robbins to become a strategic intervention coach. Then I continued doing the firefighting thing. And then I thought, you know, I have something really unique to offer here. I, I see a lot of great things in coaching. And I see a lot of great things in therapy, but they also have shortcomings. What if I were to combine the two? Because that's my experience. And so this hybrid service that I didn't even know I was making was born. 
And I started doing this hybrid combination of therapy, coaching, and then I implement mentoring because I feel like there's one last thing that always seems to fall short with coaching and therapy is you have no contact with the person, right? It's like, hey, outside of our sessions, don't bother me. And it's like, well, that doesn't feel like a very genuine connection. And some people argue, well, that's boundaries. And I've come to find that the people that get the best transformation are the people that feel the most loved and cared for. So that's where I was like, you know what? That's what a mentor does. Let me combine one last element to really drive this thing home and make it a triple threat. So that's how I started doing therapy, mentoring, and coaching. And the thing that gives me so much drive is that I am on a mission to impact 1 billion lives positively. And I don't know how I'm going to do it yet, but we're going to do it. So this is one of the reasons I wanted you here, because there is such an echo of uh, uh, of who I am and, and the same path, right? I went down the uh, clinical psych path um, shortly after starting in private practice. I realized that there was more to people's potential than beginning with their mother and their father. It's like, you're as old as you've <laughs> ever been, right? So you're as old as you've ever been, which means you've you've gotten through some major struggles. Let's leverage those strengths. So coming away from tr- the traditional therapy space and entering into the high-performance coaching space, um, I have a style I, uh, where I don't call it mentoring per se, although it is, um, and people, my, my VIP clients do have access to me via Voxer, via text, um, between our, our regular sessions. The other thing that you don't know about me, my audience does is that, uh, one of my missions is, and I've trademarked this three word phrase is to deliberately, actively, positively impact the lives of a billion people. So so there's let's go yeah so i mean right so individually we can impact so many lives together right we team up and we and that's what it's about like how do we as individuals impact a billion lives positively um it happens through ripples right and and Mm -hmm. that's that's part of the mission that's awesome so so what made you think, I mean, you looked up to your dad. That's great. Um, I knew in seventh grade, I saw this guy come to a um, a career explorations class and he was a psychologist and he was talking about helping people. And it's like, oh my God, you, you actually get to do that? Like, that's a psychologist? How cool is that? So I knew that was my path yeah. at 12. Um, how did you... How did you uh, come through? Like, I know you had anxiety. What made you think, yeah, psychology is the path for me or, you know, social work or whatever, like mental health in general. Um, Is it the wounded healer thing? Like, is it, you know, and when I say that for the audience, the wounded healer heals, right? So uh, the idea is you come through your own issues. And now you have a basket full of tools that you can help other people with those same issues. Was that you? Like you had anxiety, you had like, what? I'm, I'm stuck on that because I read that about you and I'm curious. So talk about the anxiety piece. What, what was it? Um, And how'd you get through it? What started it? How'd you get through it? 
Sure. I think I think there's a there's a small piece of of the the wanting to help heal others, right? I, I feel like that's that's the same, right? I I don't think I've ever heard anyone who's inspirational who wants to help others who haven't been through their own shit. Yeah. And I th- I think that's a major role, right? Because you have to know what it really feels like to be as low as you could possibly be. And then you have to have a big heart to want to turn around and be like, and now if I could stop someone from experiencing this, it's my duty. And so it, it started becoming more for me than I want to help as it's now more duty dutiful. Like I feel like it's more, um, and this might sound a little woo-woo spiritual, but I feel like it's my, it's my chosen path. Like this is why I'm here. This is why I had the experiences I had because they needed to make me into this person. So I am capable of doing my life's purpose, which is what I've stepped into. And I don't believe that anything is accidental. I don't believe that anything happened by chance, whatever. And, and that this was all in the making since I was like born. So I don't know if any of your listeners are very spiritual. If they're not, they probably just tuned out. If they are, cool. <laughs> and so what really led me on, on this path or started the anxiety and depression and panic attacks was I got bullied my whole life. I had always been ostracized. I had always been the outcast. I mean, I could give you literally tons of instances that are just burned into my memory because they were significant experiences, right? Like fifth grade, waking up at a sleepover and being surrounded by food and everyone laughing at me, making pretend I ate the whole house in my sleep, which I couldn't understand. And then I went to the bathroom to be upset about it. And I came back and my whole my whole sleeping bag was full of shaving cream. And I called my mom to have her pick me up and go home. That was like fifth grade. There was even more before that. But now you get into middle school, pants by my middle school crush in the schoolyard, thrown down the steps by my middle school bully, blamed by the dean because I stood up for myself and got thrown down the steps, learned to not talk to the dean anymore, <laughs> going into high school, thrown into the trash can dealt with a few interpersonal issues at home, constantly made fun of, you know, come up, Hey guys, is this seat taken? Yes, it is. Walk away. Nobody's sitting in that seat. They just didn't want to let me sit there. And that was when I was probably at the height of like my depression, my anxiety, I was suicidal. I had a therapist, didn't help much. And I just had been experiencing so much of this pain for pretty much most of my life. And I started to I started to get worse and worse as time went on. I would say things didn't turn around for me until I was about 23. But that even that transitional page from uh, high school to college, where I tried to reinvent myself, didn't even work too well. I still struggled with even worse panic attacks, then identity issues, and not identity in the in a sexual way, more identity of like, who the hell am I? Because I tried to create this fake persona. Going so this is this is a fun fact. You you like this, Wayne. This diploma behind me says Vincenzo on it, not Vincent. And Vincenzo is not my name, but I wrote Vincenzo on all my college transcripts because I wanted to be seen as someone different. I I hated Vincent because Vincent was a loser. I didn't want to be that guy anymore. So I thought if I wrote a new name, created a new identity then I could be somebody worthy of friends, a girlfriend, maybe some affection. I don't know. Just not being this person I was. Well, let me. And so that was more struggles. I, I want to pause for a second because mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> the truth is everybody, everybody through adolescence goes through a point of who am I? 
Mm-hmm. And who am I supposed to be? And and it's that piece that's the hardest mm-hmm. because we mm-hmm. begin to define our identity in terms of others, right? And so, right. you know, the fact that you were bullied along the way, it's like, well, if I can't be this person and these people don't want me and it's like the worst fears at our core, am I lovable and am I worthy? And those yep. two were threatened in you. And and it's like, well, who am I supposed to be now? If you think about what causes a, a path, not the path, but one of the paths to depression, it's really about what's it all for? Who am I? What difference am I making? What's it all for? And, and if you're not worthy or lovable, like if that's the feedback you've been given over and over, um, of course, it's going to be a path of depression. Of course, uh, that depression may actually lead to suicidal ideation. And so uh, the the story you're bringing here, I think, actually touches many lives. And I think it's worth pausing to, to be able mm-hmm. to reflect on that and just to say, look, identity issues, you will get there. <laughs> and it may take you know, Vincent to become Vincenzo, to become Vin, right? That that it's like you, each of us, each of us goes through a uh, a transformation. And, and I think the mistake is we think that it happens only once. <laughs> it's like, whew, now I know who I am. Um, and the truth is we are in constant reinvention. And that's uh, that is permission for you, for each of the audience members to recognize that you're not stuck. Um, you get to yeah. be whoever you want to become. So that's yeah. you know you, you've got some strength in 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 coming through that, in taking your big breath and going. Well, that's a chapter I never want to relive. <laughs> right. So yeah. in college, yeah. you you kind of found yourself. No, no. <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Good. So so no, no. College was was messier than that. Go. Yeah. Talk to me. Oh yeah. So actually, I want to before I jump into that, I do want to I want to touch on one thing you said because I I think it's really great uh, with the depression point. So there's this really cool research that I'm, I'm very keen to constantly bring up because I, I just love it so freaking much where they did this study on analytical rumination hypothesis, which is the theory of why our ancestors had depression. Cause we've had it like since the start of time, right? Cause all of, all of our behaviors, all of the things that occur within us, there's a purpose to them. And one of the biggest problems with today's society is that we label it as like, hey, it's okay, you know, just have depression, like go sit and be sad for a week in bed, go take this medication. But they never really explain to you the cause or the why behind it. So analytical rumination hypothesis is the understanding that depression is brought about to force us to be introspective, to look at what is persistently a problem in our life and challenge us to find the deeper issue. You know, there, there's been quotes and sayings where, for instance, one of the guys, I can't remember his name, but he says, all of man's issues could be solved if he could but sit alone with himself in a room for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what depression tries to force you to do. Why do we hide from that? Instead, why do we think depression has to be this persistent issue? And I've come to learn now, if only I knew this back then, that my depression was persistent because I was not 
getting to the root or the answers of what my problem was. But I figured it out eventually, but it didn't happen in college. And so I wanted to just jump on that. Do you have anything to or Should I jump into college? <laughs> no, that's awesome. So I also want to be to offer this word of caution is that as humans, you know, you you've offered analytical rumination hypothesis. And I want that mm. to butt up against uh, attribution theory. If I'm mm. feeling this, it must be that. And that mm. we are quick, we're quick to give a label to, right? We're quick to give a label to, well, it's this. Yep. You know, if the cat hadn't spilled my my cereal this morning, everything would have been fine. Right. And everything goes to this one thing. Or because I was bullied, um, that's why I I I, you know lost my voice or can't breathe, right. you know, have asthma, whatever it is. It's like, because of this. Well, I think this then you have to bounce away from attribution theory and bounce back into what you just offered, which is analytical rumination and say, is it <laughs> right? And just like yeah. have the courage to sit with yourself and that's really what the analytical rumination hypothesis says is that have the courage to sit with yourself and not look for all the the external whys but more the internal and i think that that's it's just a clarification that needs to happen so uh wanted to make sure that that, that was uh, tied together for us i love it that 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 couldn't have been more complimentary if we tried <laughs> There we go. So let's, uh, uh, if you've got something to add, that's awesome. Otherwise, take us to college. I'll add one thing, and it's one of my favorite speeches to give. And, okay. and the title speech. is slightly PG-13. No, it's not, I'm not doing the speech. I'm just going to give the title. <laughs> okay. The title is, you are either building your own belief system or believe in your own bullshit. Do with that what you need to. <laughs> You are listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. Wayne Purnell. You know you are bigger than the life you are leading. It really is time to attend to that thing you've wanted to do or have, but you've been putting off. It's time to step into that dream you've parked for someday. It's time to claim true well-being, both personally and professionally, without giving up the success that got you here. It's time to check out Dr. Purnell's signature small group retreat, the Exponential Success Summit. Explore ExponentialSuccessSummit.com. Seats are extremely limited as this is a very special small group event. www.ExponentialSuccessSummit.com. So let's hop into college. So college was me believing my own bullshit. There we go. Actually, let's tie it in. <laughs> yeah. I had a narrative in my head that I was the victim. And it was a very convincing narrative, right? Few issues at home. We get bullied our whole life. We can't get a girl to validate us or think we're attractive. We can't get a girlfriend, can't get any friends. All the evidence would stack amongst it and say, yeah, it's pretty right. You suck as a person. And I was living in that victimhood was so freaking real and relevant in my life. Now, 
as I had progressed, it, it's so interesting. And, and I know, Wayne, you definitely know that humans can compartmentalize. And mm. I, I compartmentalized the hell out of my life. I was such an achiever when and, and such a miserable person. So in college, things really turned around for me in the sense that I was able to have friends. I started getting, you know, had a girlfriend. I was doing phenomenal. I graduated in Psych High National Honor Society. I had a 3.8 psych GPA, had a 3.4 or 3.5 overall GPA. I was a lead presenter at the undergrad conf- conference for research that we did on drug correlated to emotional studies. I was working two jobs. I was a personal trainer. I was a mental health worker at a hospital and I crushed it, man. There was nobody that could have said that guy didn't have it together. And meanwhile, I was for the first half of, of the you know undergrad experience, I was drinking five, six nights a week going out with guys that I met that were older than me and we were all hanging out and it was a great time and I wanted to be in and it just, it, that wasn't great. So I stopped that myself. I didn't need an intervention. I was just like, I don't, I'm getting carried out of bars. This is probably not a good way to, to go. And so <laughs> I put a, I put it into that real quick. And I still had just this, this feeling of, I want to be liked, right? I, I, I want to not be sitting on the outskirts constantly. So it was very easy for me to just be this chameleon where I would do everything anyone was interested in. They would be like, oh, I like this. I'd be like, cool, I'll try that. And I would just anything, man, anything. I was super likable. And graduated, did phenomenal, got accepted to every and any master's program I applied for. I applied to Fordham and Hunter and NYU and all these great places. And everyone wanted me. And I accepted Hunter because at the time it was one of the top 10 social work schools. And so I went there. And it it was still worse. I was having frequent mental breakdowns. My panic attacks were so bad, I actually couldn't even make a decision without calling my therapist. Like a big decision, not like what I want for lunch. That took a while. But if me and my girlfriend got into a fight, I couldn't answer her without calling my therapist because I just, I was hyperventilating. And I was like wanting to drop out of school. I was so miserable. My grades really started falling apart. I... I still graduated, not entirely sure how I did it. So that social work degree, well earned, <laughs> but it, it it continued to get progressively worse until I eventually graduated at 23 years old, had my master's in social work with a clinical focus because I was on the path to do one-to-one therapy. So that's why I chose that focus. And yeah, college was still miserable for me. Nothing had turned around. <laughs> So, yeah, that's an interesting thing because, right, you're still looking at your identity. Um, you did something that that um, a lot of people with depression don't do. You know, depression actually causes you to not have a lot of energy. Um, mm-hmm. And you chose to step in and go, you know, you actually masked your depression with kind of, I'll try something new. I'll try this on. And so if your friends were like, Hey, do you want to do this? You're like, I'm in. And I, you know, I talk about a a four letter word that ends in K as a way of breaking away from that mess of the supposed to's and that four letter K four letter word ending in K is risk. Can you risk doing something new every single day? Can you, and, and for you, you did it. And I'm guessing it's that like the novelty that you fed yourself 
you know this from the from you know studying what you've studied that novelty is one of our key drivers and so you fed yourself just sort of <laughs> intuitively like i'll try that i'll try that and and it it actually allowed you to expand your identity by doing that like you you mm. overcame um you know, it's it's the competence con uh, confidence loop, right? And you you tried something new, you weren't great at it, and then you found out it was okay, and then your confidence grew, and you became better at it. So I'm just I'm pointing out the the process because I think it's mm -hmm. uh, I think that I think that most of us as humans go through a point of dang, it's messy. And just to make that okay, it's like, you know, the, the caterpillar goes, creates this cocoon and in that cocoon basically becomes soup, right? It's not like, yeah. oh, this insect becomes an insect with wings. It's like an insect dissolves and is recreated and suddenly it's, you know, a butterfly. It's like, there's a soupy mess. So just to, to celebrate the soupy mess, you know? Yeah. Everybody's obsessed with being sexy, Wayne. They all want to be the butterfly. They don't want to be the soup first. They just want the butterfly. <laughs> and so I guess that's a reminder that if it feels like a soupy mess, you're in the process of becoming. And how exciting is that? Like, who do you want to be? And I think that's, you know, that's a, actually a good segue into, you know, the kind of work that you do now, which is, you know, you take people who are, uh, at a place of, I've tried this, I've tried that, and and your guidance, my guidance, um, we're here to talk a little bit more about you. You allow them or you guide them and or mentor them into, well, who do you want to be, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Want to talk it's, a little bit about that? Definitely. It's, it's, it's one of my my greatest joys. I, I take mental health extremely seriously. So I, I also get, there's a few things I get very passionate about. And, and one of them is helping others. And the other is getting angry at terrible coaches and therapists. Because <laughs> to me, <laughs> I'm applauding that. Thank you. Because anybody can say I'm a life coach. And it's like, oh, no, no, no. Uh, you know, yeah. it's like, stop. You've got to look at who, who is the person what have they done and where are what's their background in the ability to guide you you've had licensure i've had you know certification i've had certification and and a background uh, and a track record and i think that's really important i personally don't call myself a life coach but you know there are a lot of people that hang hang that out there um right. so yes thank you for saying that cuz being passionate about <laughs> about fighting against mediocrity, I think that's incredible. Yeah. Well, it's important too, because I look at this, this work, and I don't know how you feel, Wayne, but this work is extremely sacred. You are yeah. entrusted with people's hope, with people's dreams. I've I've seen bad coaches scare the hell out of people. Who have who who just wanted to improve themselves and then did high pressure sales tactics like oh if you don't work with me you don't want it bad enough I guess you won't bet on yourself I guess the investment you're about to make is just too much to have the life of your dreams and it's like what are you doing I yeah. will fight you 
If I hear you saying that, I will fight you. And I'm not a violent person. But that's that's the stuff that like that's messed up. You are taking people's hopes. You're using them against them. It's manipulative. You know, you're trying to get a few bucks like you can't go get money from someone who's more willing. And and so it's it's very sacred to me, this work that we do, because you're being entrusted with hope, their emotion, their future, their their deeper innermost thoughts, the things that they're most vulnerable and scared to share. They're giving to you on a freaking platter. And if you fumble that, that's a problem. You can't fumble that. You just can't. And if you don't feel capable, send them to someone else. And if you don't feel like this is your work to do, then don't do it. So I'm sorry about the tirade. <laughs> no, it's, uh, I appreciate the passion because that's, that is, you know, most, most of us don't get to say that out loud uh, when we see it's like, wow. Um, you know, that kind of, that kind of thing comes from either ego or lack. And to be able to step back and go, so unnecessary. You want to guide someone, guide them, open the door. It's up to them to step through. Um, most, you know, the biggest, if I'm to badger people, the biggest badgering I do is like, please just begin before you're ready. Because, um, you know, the the mindset, the narrative is I'm not ready. I'm not ready. It's like you have to begin before you're ready. Um, and that's, you know, that's actually an invitation, not a badger. You know, it's like, yes, just really think about who you want to be and start the process. Now, that's why you work with a coach. Coach has perspective you don't have. Of course, you have to begin before you're ready. So that's yes. more, it really is more of an invitation. Um, and it it can, on the receiving end, it can feel like, you know, being badgered but it's not. So I agree. Cool. I agree. <laughs> so, so now we got, now we got bad coaches out of the way. <laughs> Good deal. What I'm up to in my life is I, I learned a lot. So at 23, I really did start the process of, you know, I, I like what you said about how we're always evolving, which is true. We're not human beings. We're human becomings. We're always becoming something new. And that's the process of life. You have to mourn the death of your previous self. You have to mourn the death of your previous identity at times, right? To step into, or at least that's my view of it. You have to do these things to step into the next version of yourself. You can't gonna, still I, have, yeah. I, I just want to to offer a different perspective with that. Sometimes it's mourning Please. the loss of who you were. And sometimes it's yep. celebrating that person that got you here. Mm. Right. So it's both, you know, of course, you're going to give something up in order to be the next version, right? In order to reach for a higher level, you have to let go of where you were. And, yes. and do you mourn that loss? Or do you say, wow, that person of yesterday got me here. So I'm a fan of celebration of, of, of that process. Sometimes it's morning. Sometimes it's like, yeah, thanks. Like, that's awesome. Recognizing what got me to today is not the same stuff that I need to get to tomorrow. So what do I need? Right. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's a, as I said, it's like a gratitude for the self that brought me to today. A hundred percent. I think a combination of both is an extremely powerful way of doing it. Right. Yeah. You know, there's always, I believe there's always a little bit of intrinsic sadness when you are shedding a piece of you. 
no matter how joyous and happy it is, because it is a very happy moment moment. Like it's like, congrats, you're finally becoming more of who you knew you could already be. And that's exciting. It and is. it's also kind of sometimes sad to look at the fact that like, Hey, you know, this piece of me, I, I love them so much and I got, I'm going to let them go. So I could really step into my full power. And that's, that's always a little sad to me, but it's also super joyous. So I, I thank you for bringing that full circle for us, Yeah, you know, and, and, cool. That's really what it is that that I think got me to that next level is is that part of realizing I didn't like who I was. I didn't like the life that I was living. And I finally decided to do something about it. I finally decided to say, you know, I've struggled and suffered from this for 20 years. Well, maybe not 20, 15, let's say conservatively. I wasn't always depressed and anxious. <laughs> so struggle with this for about 15 years but I don't have to deal with it for another 15. In fact, I don't even have to deal with it for another day if I don't want to anymore. And I swear to God that there's that moment at 23 years old that changed my whole life that brought me such clarity. I would say that my depression subsided by 90%, my anxiety subsided by 90%. And I was then moving and creating the life I wanted instead of being dragged through it. And so what I do today is basically teach people how I did that. I teach people how they can master their mindset and unlock their inner leader, because that is the foundation of what I do. I believe that what happened to me was I learned to control my whole life. I That same day that I had that life-changing moment, I called my therapist. I told them we were done I, uh, and I just dropped them. And I, I knew that I was ready to step into the driver's seat. And so it was a really powerful moment for me. And I'm not saying people should do this. I'm just saying what I did, you know? <laughs> what was the moment? Like what caused this, like, like, you know, this moment of clarity, what happened? Yeah. Like, for a lot of people, it's a near-death experience where they go, sure. oh, heck no. Like For a lot of people, it's hitting bottom. I am never doing this again. I'm bigger and better than this. And for a lot of us, see, I always thought I needed to hit rock, rock bottom in order to like bounce and have this become who I was supposed to be and realized... No, there are a lot of there are a lot of places where you just stumble and then you choose and then you stumble yes. and then you choose. And it's sort of like, oh, I, you know, I'm one of those people. I didn't have to hit rock bottom in order to become uh, you know, my next best. So what was what was and I wanted to say that because I think that's a narrative that's out there. Like you need to hit bottom yes. in order to, to, you know, bounce to from your woe to your wow. And I think the reality is it's just another messy place that you need to get through. So back to you, what was your big, like, what was the revelation on that particular day at 23 years old? Well, Wayne, mentally and emotionally, I hit rock bottom. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> So, awesome. so I'll tell you, <laughs> it was so funny because I, I'll never forget it. I call it my moment in the mirror. So it sounds very hallmarky too. We'll turn it into a lifetime TV show one day, but it was truly that I was completely frustrated. I really couldn't figure it out. You know, when you're just trying to wrap your brain around something, you can't figure it out. And it's like yeah. causing you so much freaking annoyance. Well, that, that was what it was. And I remember I, I got to this place of raw honesty. So it was summer. I was in my parents' house. I was, I lived there at the time and I slammed my hands on the, on the counter. And I was like, what's 
what's wrong? And I was just so frustrated, right? I was like, why am I so annoyed? Why am I so, why am I so anxious? Why am I so upset? Why am I so angry? Like, why do I just not belong? Right. And I, and I was so mad and, and that's all I could remember is I was just so mad and everything was flowing at once. And it was crazy because I looked in the mirror at myself and, and I was like, Oh, and I got this chill and I still get it to this day telling the story. It's my favorite. And I got this chill and I was like, oh, I was like, you're Vincent. And, and that was the first time in seven years I said my own name. And why I believe that was so significant and so powerful was I, I actually, in that moment, by saying my own name, I took my power back. I yep. took my identity back. That mm-hmm. was me finally willing to accept, I call it radical acceptance. I was me willing to accept everything that has happened and everything that is currently going on as a result of all the decisions I made to get here in this moment, at this moment of time. And so when I did that, that was a feeling of peace like I never felt in my life. Somebody asked me on a previous podcast, they said, what's mo- one moment if you could never change anything in your life, what's one moment you would go back to experience again? And I said that moment because that moment was the most peaceful I've ever felt in my entire lifetime. It was like it was like a a washing of all the feelings I had just fell out of my body in that singular moment. And then I said to myself, I said, you know, you're you're weak. You're depressed. People pity you. You're not inspiring. You're sad. You're anxious. You have panic attacks. This is this is how you want to keep living? And, and so it's funny because when people hear me say, say this part of, of the story, they're like, wow, you sounded really hard on yourself. I was like, there's a difference. It's like, I was being honest with myself for the first time. I wasn't being hard on myself. I was being honest because honesty gives you opportunity. And so when I did that, I then asked myself, do you want to keep being that person? I said, absolutely not. And then I got to ask the better question. I was like, great. So who do you want to be? Well, I want to be inspiring. I want to be confident. I want to be happy. I want to enjoy this peace more. I want to be loving. I want to be a leader. I want to, I want people to say I, I'm capable. I want people to look at me and be like, I don't know what it, that guy's got, but he's got it. Like I, I want some of that. And then I asked, great. So now we know who we want to be. So what do we start doing to get there? What do I have to think and say and do and become? And how should other people feel around me? And how should I feel around others? And, and who do I be? And what do I do? And, and, all these questions came as a flood and I had great answers because then I knew I was like, just be you, just do you be the person you want to be. You want to make people feel loved. You want to make people feel happy. You want to make people see you. You want to make people feel inspired by you. Then do things that provoke that in them, become that person first. And then you'll notice the world change around you because the reality is we don't see the world as it is. We see it as we are. And the world will not respond to us differently either. The world will respond to you based on who you are. So when I had that moment, that's when I realized self-mastery and internal leadership because self-mastery is that focus I just mentioned and internal leadership is asking yourself, how do you want to show up in each role you are? And how do you want to present to the world? And, And once I figured those two things out, I just started the trajectory forward. And I, I was like, awesome. I got this, man. Really good. <laughs> really good. The, um, you know, for clarity, a lot of people, I guess, you know, my narrative about rock bottom was I never found myself mm-hmm. in a pool of blood or vomit or, you know, in a car wreck, you know, wondering how I got there. Right. I, mm-hmm. uh, and so, right. And so for me, it was <laughs> like, well, that would have been rock bottom, but I never did that. And, and, 
the truth is um, rock bottom can be whatever you need it to be where you're facing yourself and your own call them mental demons, you know, uh, where you just, you pound your fist on the table and you, and you, you know, you look in the mirror and you go, who am I really? Uh, the, mm. right. The, the honesty gives you opportunity is fantastic because, um, because you took inventory. And I think that, that, uh, that's really where change begins is being able to do what you did, where you said, look, this is who I am. And you, you had this, this classification, you know, weak and, uh, you know, like all the other things that went with that. And, and it's like, but that's not who I, that's not who I want to be. And so you started asking better questions. And that is one of the keys uh, to keep focused on. It's not why are things going so badly? It's what do I need to do? Who do I need to become in order to, right? Because you're going to get the answers that you're looking for or that you ask, right? So the answer yeah. to why are things going badly is, well, here's a reason. And like <laughs> those things will show up for you. So you ask better questions like, how do I become... Um, how do I become the mentor I want to be? How do I become somebody who's impactful? How do I become uh, the the one that's trusted and and right? And it's all of that. And you start asking better questions. So um, I love that. That like and that's where you are, right? That's what you've built for yourself at this point, which is which is fantastic. So um, let me ask you this: Where are you headed? And what didn't I ask you that you were hoping I'd ask? I have two. All right. I have two good answers. So where am I headed is I'm on my way to impact 1 billion lives. And I am creating an amazing legacy for my family because I have a daughter who is about to be one. And I'm super excited, super excited for her to witness this journey. I, I, I don't even, honestly, man, I got to tell you, I want to impact a billion lives, but if I can't impact hers, none of that means shit. So realistically, I want to help a billion people, but I really want to impact her life the most. And maybe she'll impact a billion in her lifetime. Who knows? So that's what I'm really excited about. And I got to be honest, I have no expectations coming on the podcast. All I do is hope that there's plenty of value. So I appreciated all the questions you asked me. And I honestly don't think it could have gone any better or any worse. I think the problem is we don't have enough time because this is such a wonderful conversation. I want to just keep going. <laughs> well, you and I will keep going. Um, for now, the <laughs> podcast is going to wrap. Um, cool. How do you know, there, there are a couple of places that you want people to go to. Um, and one of them is go.vincentinfante.life slash vision board. Is that right? Sure. That So that is the free resource I offer to help people build a very impactful, what I call mission board, which is better than your typical vision board. Uh, more easily, you guys could just jump on my website, which is www.vincentinfante.life. And you could click the resources tab and it will take you exactly to that link that Wayne just said. Okay. Uh, vincentinfante.life 
and resources. That's cool. Good. Any any final anything or are we good? Yeah, I got I got two things. One is check out my social media because I'm always on it and you guys get tons of free value. So that's Vin Infanti, uh, Vin.infanti, sorry, on TikTok or Instagram. That's where I'm most active. And then I love to, I love to just end podcasts with a quote because I love bringing some timeless wisdom that isn't mine into the fold. And this is one that has changed my life. I'm a big fan of quotes. And I think that if everyone can embody this, it will also help change their life. So one of my favorite quotes by Aristotle, he says, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit. Go be great. Perfect. Perfect. No, seriously, that's a it's an amazing quote. Uh, awesome. Vin, thank you for being here. Really great. Appreciate you. Thank you for having me, Wayne. Okay. This is One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most. My guest today was Vin Infante, and I am your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the Exponential Success Coach. Thank you for being here, and we'll see you here next time. Thank you for listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the Breakthrough Success Coach and your Powerful Presence Mentor. 